Over these last couple weeks, the game of football has lost a bunch of great ones. From all the dad gummits to the mother fudgers, Philip Rivers left an impact on the game of football that is far from traditional. He's been named a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee twice in 2012 and 2014. Oh, and he's officially the greatest non-cursing trash talker in the history of sports. And there's not much you can do to change my mind there. And as a young Christian like myself, Philip Rivers is a role model that people like me can look up to. In 2018, when Philip Rivers was set to play the Baltimore Ravens in the wildcard round, a CBN News reporter asked him about his mindset coming into the game, in which he responded, quote, My faith has always been very important to me. That's why it's worked to this point. I hope that God has used me to touch one of you in your faith journey with Jesus. He also said, too many times we think we've fallen too far from God or we're not worthy. It's only by God's mercy and grace. We aren't worthy. We're all sinners. We are all here because Jesus died for us. His former teammate, LaDainian Tomlinson, said it best. Philip Rivers is as advertised. What you see is what you get. I knew he was a country boy from Alabama when we drafted him, and I appreciated how authentic he was and still is. He never tried to be somebody who he isn't. And that's a quality everyone in the locker room wants from a leader. But on the field, Phillip Rivers kept the same standards. With over 63,000 passing yards, 421 touchdowns, Phillip Rivers is among the cream of the crop for this generation. The only quarterbacks to play before 2007 and have a career passer rating of 95 are Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Tony Romo, Steve Young, Peyton Manning, and Phillip Rivers. The list stops there. Also, Philip Rivers has led the league in yards per pass attempt three times. Here's the list of other quarterbacks to lead the NFL in yards per pass attempt three times since this century has started. Yeah, that's right. Nobody else since 2000 has done that. So yes, Skip Bayless, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. And the facts are on my Welcome into this episode of Listen Up with Harris Hicks. I am pleased to be back with you guys, but before we get rolling into what I think is the most highly anticipated Super Bowl of all time, I want to finish congratulating all the players who retired from the NFL, and that includes Jason Witten and Greg Olson, as they had phenomenal careers. First off, Jason Witten is easily one of the best to ever play the tight end position. He should be a shoe-in Hall of Famer for so many reasons. Since he came into the NFL in 2003, Witness had seven 900-yard seasons. The only tight end in NFL history who had more was Tony Gonzalez with nine. And off the field, Witten was an example of excellence as he's won the Walter Payton Man of the Year in 2012. He caught 1,228 passes, which is the fourth highest of all time. I personally have Jason Witten slotted as the fourth greatest tight end in NFL history behind, of course, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, and Shannon Sharp. And he undoubtedly should be elected into the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done and when he's eligible in 2026. And last but certainly not least, Greg Olson, who's actually the only tight end in NFL history to have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons before Travis Kelsey came around. He's the all-time leader in receiving yards and receptions for the Carolina Panthers. The day that Greg Olson retired, Cam Newton actually posted an Instagram post on Greg Olson's retirement that caught my eye. Quote, 
I mean, where do I begin? I appreciate your constant drive to be better. I appreciate your daily drive to push you and others to be better by being an unbelievable person to follow by holding yourself accountable first. A true legend in every sense of the word. Congratulations to Philip Rivers, Jason Witten, and Greg Olson for phenomenal NFL careers on and off the field. Okay, now let's get into it. Is Super Bowl 55 the passing of the torch? That is the million-dollar question that everyone has been asking throughout these last two weeks. We thought it was going to happen in 2018, but D. Ford had other plans as he jumped off sides in the Kansas City-New England championship game in the AFC of 2018. To all those who took my betting advice on playoff games, you're welcome. I was 10-2 and in predicting playoff games this year, with the two lone games I predicted wrong being Indy and Buffalo and Baltimore and Buffalo. So to the Bills Mafia, I underestimated you guys. Y'all had a fantastic season. I apologize. But I'm going to attempt to continue my hot streak into this game, and I'm going to take the team who has the better offense, better defense, better coach, and better quarterback, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be honest, although Tampa Bay ended up making the Super Bowl, I wasn't particularly impressed with them. Green Bay kept giving them the game, and Tampa kept giving it back. If it weren't for Kevin King having a brain fart and leaving Scotty Miller wide open at the end of the second half, along with Aaron Rodgers deciding to run it in, and Green Bay kicking a field goal instead of actually going for it, this would be a totally different discussion. Green Bay would probably be here right now if all those things happened. I've heard the argument of, oh, actually, in 2018, Tom Brady threw two picks and beat Kansas City in the AFC Championship, blah, blah, blah. That's not a valid argument. This is a far better Kansas City team we have here. And Brady doesn't have a top three defense on his team either like he did in 2018. This is a team that returns 20 starters from a team that won the Super Bowl the year before. Based on what we've seen these last two seasons, Kansas City isn't going to give up the game to Tampa like Green Bay did last weekend, let's be real. But for this Super Bowl, this is probably the most implications we've had for a Super Bowl since ever. The closest I can think of is the 2009 Saints-Colts game with the Drew Brees and Peyton Manning battle, or the Marino-Montana battle in 1985. But that's as close as it gets. Now, Tom Brady is the GOAT, undisputedly. I mean, sure, the only argument he doesn't have is the regular season argument, which goes to Peyton Manning, but combining everything else, I mean, come on, he's the GOAT. But the guy that has the highest chance of catching him is Patrick Mahomes. He's 25, and he's played at an all-pro level all three of his years, and he's already won a Super Bowl. By this pace, I mean he probably will catch him. Do I think Mahomes will have the longevity that Brady will? Probably not, because Brady relies more on sheer pocket presence, as Mahomes uses his escapability and his spectacular playability, which eventually goes away over time with old age. But his peak, if he wins this, I think it would be the greatest three-year peak of any QB in NFL history. And so if he reaches Tom Brady's level or even his vicinity, and he has the Super Bowl win head-to-head -head over him, it could drive a narrative that could last potentially forever. Tony Romo said it best. Talk about your all-time matchups. This is literally going to be like LeBron and Jordan playing in the final. Now, the narrative between LeBron and Mike is very two-sided and impartial. Both sides have lots of support and lots of skeptics. It's a never-ending debate. But a lot of that is because there was never any head-to-head -head proof. This is the living proof. If Mahomes were to beat Brady and he kept playing at this pace throughout his career, people could use this head-to-head -head matchup as the weight that changes the direction of the seesaw or the narrative. 
But in Tom Brady's case, just imagine the opportunity that he has to solidify himself. If 43-year-old Tom Brady defeats a peak 25-year-old Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, I mean, it would be a done deal. I think you would be reaching Wayne Gretzky-level greatness at this point. For Tom Brady to defeat potentially his greatest competitor at his peak, while most quarterbacks his age are well into retirement, that's unheard of. I know this is different, but imagine a 43-year-old Michael Jordan outperforming a 25-year-old LeBron James in the finals. Again, I know those are total different situations, but that would be absolutely unheard of. And in the case of comparing Patty to the likes of MJ and LeBron, this is a massive hypothetical. It's happened before where we've seen a QB win a Super Bowl at the beginning of his career and people thought he was the next potential GOAT, but he just doesn't win another one. Aaron Rodgers, for example, won one in 2009 in his second season as a starter and lost two years later in the Super Bowl in 2011. Hasn't been to one since. But I'm mostly talking about the what-if aspect. There's a lot of implications here. Because if Mahomes gets this one and keeps playing at this pace, the narrative could slowly gravitate from Team Brady to Team Mahomes in the future. My official prediction in this game is Kansas City. The line is KC by 3.5, and and this is a tough line. I find myself going back and forth with this line because, boy, it is close. But this is what sold me. Only two times has the winning team in the Super Bowl since 2006 won by less than 3.5 points. That was the Ravens in 2013 over the Niners in the Steelers-Cardinals game. So with that in mind, show me the money, Kansas City. But this game will be close, and the reason is simple. Tampa Bay has Tom Brady on their side. There's really not much to it. And the history tells us if Tom Brady goes down, he will definitely go down with a fight. But let's face it. Tampa needs to force turnovers in order to win this game. It's how they squeak by Green Bay. They force two turnovers. However, against Kansas City, that's extremely tough to come by. In the run game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hasn't fumbled since week six of the 2019 college football season. And in the passing game, Patrick Mahomes has only thrown a pick in one career postseason game, and he has the lowest interception percentage in the entire NFL this year. My final prediction for the score is Kansas City 31, Tampa Bay 24, and the Chiefs will be taking home the Vince Lombardi Super Bowl trophy this year. On Saturday night, a blockbuster trade was made as the Lions traded longtime franchise quarterback Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, two first-round draft picks, and a third-rounder. Now, if you're Matt Stafford, there's no question. This is an absolute win. When I said he had no help in Detroit, I am not exaggerating whatsoever. Matt Stafford had absolutely zero help. Detroit's defense gave up the most points in the entire league. His running backs were 27th in the entire NFL in yards per carry, and his receivers were second in the whole league in highest drop rate as they dropped 6.4% of their passes. So in terms of Matt Stafford's supporting cast, it's almost a complete 180. He's going from having the worst defense on his team to the best defense on his team. And instead of having Matt Patricia, he's getting Sean McVay. The few times that Matt Stafford has had at least a mediocre defense on his team, which I would say was 2011 and 2014, he's produced double-digit win seasons and his team has made the playoffs. So my point is, if he did that with mediocre defenses, imagine what he could do with an elite defense like the Rams have. The Rams are now in win-now mode, but in my opinion, they gave up too much. 
L.A. attempted to trade for an elite quarterback, and they traded for Matt Stafford, who is very good, but not quite on that elite tier. He's 11th in my staff that I made quarterback grade, in which I will get into next episode. So giving up two first-round draft picks and a third is just too much. This isn't Deshaun Watson, y'all. But if the Rams want to win the Super Bowl, it was the right decision to accept this trade. Jared Goff has clearly regressed since his 2018 season. Just let the numbers and your own eyes answer that question. But if you're the Lions, this could not have gone much better. Instead of trying to win with a terrible defense, awful run game, and even worse receiving core, you're actually starting to tank here. And they have a bunch of picks to get the rebuild started, as two first-round draft picks and a third could really come in handy. In my opinion, this is a win-win for both teams. The Rams got the final piece they've been missing to the puzzle to launch themselves from playoff contenders to Super Bowl contenders, and the Lions got the picks that they desperately needed to restart the rebuild. A couple PSAs here to wrap up this week's episode. Next week, I'll actually be putting two episodes out. One of them will be based on recapping the Super Bowl and covering, of course, other up-to-date headlines in sports. But the next episode is going to be a more unique one for sure. And I'm very much looking forward to this episode, probably the episode that I've most looked forward to out of any one. I'll be introducing a stat that I personally created called quarterback grade, which in my opinion is probably the biggest cumulative stat in the history of football. And unlike QBR or war in baseball, I'll actually reveal the formula and show you guys how the stat is calculated. I'll also have some other player evaluation stats that I created as well for other positions in football, such as running back grade, wide receiver grade, and cornerback grade, among many others. I'm not going to give you guys the full spiel of what the stats are, what the stats mean, because I understand everybody has lives to get to, but I will summarize it for you guys. I'll also be getting into more interesting football takes, such as why there should be a Cy Young Award for quarterbacks and how to use stats and eye tests to compare quarterbacks from different eras. This is where adjusted quarterback grade comes in. And I'm actually creating a website that is still in the works, listenupwithharrisix.com. It will be coming out very soon. I expect to get it out at the end of the week. So I will be giving you guys a snippet of what is to come in that department on the next episode. I'll be publishing articles and content weekly in football, basketball, baseball, college, and pro. So be sure to check that out. In my last official announcement, starting next week, I will be adding a Q&A segment. You guys can tweet at me. That's at Harris Hicks or at ListenUpPod underscore and ask me any questions about sports, politics, or even romantic advice. Whatever you guys want to ask, I will answer them, I will answer them to the best of my absolute ability. And that'll officially wrap it up for this short episode of Listen Up with Harris Hicks on Blaze Radio. Be sure to check the pod out on Blaze Radio and Spotify. The link for the podcast is in my Twitter as well again, and that's at Harris Hicks. Cue that music.